Huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro. And you're listening to The Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Kevin, that's our new intro. That is slamming, dude. You like it? That is kicking. So after like nine... After nine months, we have, uh... It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. We finally have a new intro. It's like a it's jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how... Hang on, hang on. Let it roll. Well, I faded yeah. it out. I faded it's it out a little hey, bit. It's like so. a jungle, man. Sometimes that's, it makes me wonder. That's, hey, that's good, man. No, hey, that was cool, man. I like that. That, a, that thing's called... That, the, that's good. That, that thing's called The Message, and we did a new intro for everybody, doing our tagline, you know, so... We've taken some time off, Kevin, like work, holiday, summer, things mm-hmm. gotten away, and then we're yeah. finally back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're back, man. Let's, yeah. You know, we're back. You know what? No one else is back, Dave. I'm really excited because so today is September 9th. 9th. Yes. Yeah. It's a Thursday. You know what that is, right? You know what happens tonight? It's the your sports guy. Yeah. It's the first night of NFL yeah. football, right? Football, yeah. baby. We're back. <laughs> We're back. It's on. And actually, I got a little football-like game for us to play that I hooked up at the uh, at the end here. So okay. Well, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, well, it's yeah. September 9th here, and our guest today, where she is, is September 10th. The she's morning in the future. I guess she's in the future. In the future. In the future. Yeah, she's Damn. in the future. Yeah. I'd like to introduce everybody uh, to Rochelle Gillette, who is a PR practitioner, comms practitioner in the continent and country of Australia. Hello, Rochelle. Welcome. Hello. I'm, Rochelle, I'm just going to say it's, it's Rochelle Gillette, but uh, hello. Oh, oh, did okay. I miss that up? Hey, you you stood up right away, man. I, I, I no, we got to edit that. Sorry, Michelle. I apologize for my co-host. Okay. Yeah. Damn. That's embarrassing. Sorry about that. We're, yeah, we messed that up. Rochelle, so, can, you, can you help us understand how Australia became a country and a continent? Like, what's up with that? Are they the only one? Are you here to help us with that? I did not know this was going to be a, a continental history lesson. Sorry. It was in the agenda? No? Okay, we must have left it out. Welcome to but, the show. It's good yeah. to have you on the embargo. So, so, so Rochelle, she's actually a Canadian expat now, a dual citizen living in Australia. She's been doing uh, PR and comms for 20 years. And, uh, uh, you know, tell us your story. So what are you doing down there? Uh, how'd you get there? What's going on? You, you run a, uh, and tell us the name of your shop and everything. So um, my shop is called Giant Squid Inc. Um, myself and my partner um, do uh basically tech PR, um, content development, video writing, strategic comms advice, all that jazz. Um, yeah, and we've been doing that since about 2013. Uh, prior to that, I was here in Australia from 2008 doing tech PR. Um, and prior to that, 14 years working in uh, Toronto in PR, in-house comms, couple of different things. 
So for, here's my first question. How far is the flight from Toronto to Australia? Is that like 73 hours? How long does it take you to get there? <laughs> You're going to spend about 24 hours uh, in the Whoa, air. really? 24 hours? And, and like, what's the flight path? What do you take? How do you, do you go to London and then around? Or you go to like the West? Other way. The other way. We, t- right. we tend to, we tend to go LA, New York, Toronto. Oh, you got to go to New York. You go from Toronto to LA to New York? No, that's not right. No, no, oh, no, no, you from, go from, from Australia, going back going from Australia. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, from that's Australia. a bad idea. Somebody, somebody <laughs> needs to redraw that path right there. That's not, that's not smart. So, so, so you flew for 77 hours to get to Australia, but what, why would you go, what brought you to Australia from Toronto? I mean, what, what made you decide to do that move? I'll do this super, super quick. Uh, in 2000, I did a year long working holiday in Australia just for the heck of it. And I really... Sorry, I'll try that again. <laughs> in 2000, I did a, a year-long holiday, working holiday in Australia. You can get this great visa from Canada and, and have a really fun year kind of backpacking around and, and working um, in Australia. And I loved it. I really wanted to stay at the time. I was actually working in PR while I was here and um, just couldn't quite figure out how to make it work. So I went back to Toronto, did the, the life thing, met the husband and we made our way down under after we got married and we're still here i just always wanted to come back and and so we did that that that's great and you've been there 13 years now 14 yeah that's said? right yeah yeah uh, is your first, husband in the is your husband in the tech biz too or did he, i mean was he just like what's up let's just go i'm ready let's try <laughs> something new he and I worked together. We didn't at the time, uh, but he's a video uh, producer, director, uh, does a lot of marketing and, and corporate and PR video content. Uh, was doing that in Toronto as well. So um, uh, it was a really easy trend. Well, sorry, relatively easy transition to, to move to Australia. Our skills are, pretty, are very transferable. Um, so yeah, he was game. He was game. Look, you look at that. You obviously had to learn the language when you got to Australia, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went from a boat to a, I don't know, whatever they say. Whatever the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, a shout out for the PR profession, easily transferable skills. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to be a PR pro, you could probably do this in other countries. And uh, Dave, I'm not sure uh, that's saying very much about PR skills, though, right? That's kind of like a shot, right? right? Listen, it's like, hey, if you can do this here, you can do this anywhere. It's actually really not that hard. Well, it gives you the flexibility. I got to give a shout out, though, to Toronto. I mean, outside of the winters, that's a great city as well. And w- yeah. w- where, where are you now in Australia? Uh, I'll just say about Toronto and Sydney. I mean, they're pretty comparable in terms of the work, uh, you know, the work environment and the um the level of work you do and the the corporate life uh pretty comparable except um there's a lot more um living for the for the weekend and working for the weekend and and um chilling out after work and heading to the beach in sydney than there is in toronto not to mention it's cold as fuck in <laughs> toronto right yeah, and like yeah. I mean, that, that had to be had to have been a pretty short conversation with your husband. Uh, hey, do you I, want to move from like freezing cold Toronto to, you know, beautiful Australia where it's hot uh, and sunny all the time? I mean, there is a lot of um, 
hot weather in Toronto these days, I hear. But I think <laughs> the thing about Toronto for me is that the winter is very long, very, very long. Yeah. And if that's not your bag, then um, yeah. I, I would like for both of us. It was an easy decision. I, I would like to point out that when I say Toronto is a great city, I've only been in the spring and summer. So <laughs> we're probably in a winter. trade show like inside all the time too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right, let, let's get to PR. I, you know, we yeah. uh, want to talk a little bit about that and, you know, you do what Kevin and I do. I mean, you run in a small shop, you've taken on tech clients. Um, you're not like in a downtown Sydney office on the 40th floor. I'm in Boca a, beach. I can see, I can see the beach from here. Yeah. Nice. You're, basically you're not a big agency do nothing you're like an independent practitioner doing do everything. something yeah you're doing it all yeah Punching stodgy you. pr in the face from the other side of the uh <laughs> yeah. hemisphere man yeah. kicking it in the butt while we're punching it in the face i think yeah. so kevin and i often get like requests for like hey do you know somebody in australia or do you know somebody in europe right and we we have our network of folks and sometimes they're boutique agencies sometimes they're, uh, you know, independent folks. Uh, but, you know, tell us what, how are you working down there? Is it, do you, are you working with uh, North American clients? What does your workload look like yeah. in the tech world? Um, well, I do work with uh, global clients that have Australian presence. So hmm. um, Hadach Pantera, who you know well, and Coupa, which is a um, spend management company. Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, yeah they they yeah. just they just approved my invoice for another client. Yay, Coupa! There you go. <laughs> they started. They're from the Bay Area, actually. I met with those guys. In fact, I I almost did some work for their original VP of marketing, Jason. I can't remember his name, but uh, they were based in uh, in San Mateo when they got started, which yeah. is not yeah, far. They're doing me. lots of good work in Australia. I really like it. Uh, you know, every one of their client seems to be quite happy to um, be named, which is, which is nice. Um, and, and also I work with local companies. So we, we really try to stick to enterprise tech. Uh, that's our kind of focus, but. Yeah, enterprise we, tech, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Pace that tech focus bleeds into other areas because of what everybody's talking about. You know, everybody's talking about data. Everybody's talking about um, insights from data, et cetera. So we do actually work for a media agency called Audience Group um, that is very focused on evidence-based advertising and incorporating, um, you know, moving on from being data-driven like every other agency is and kind of really extending that into some advanced analytics for their clients, which is cool. Um, and then also we do some work for uh, what I'll call a FinTech, which is a um, SMB lender um, called Limba. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it, essentially, you know, even though they're not enterprise tech clients, we still kind of talk about a lot of the same stuff on behalf of them. Um, so it works. The tech community seems pretty vibrant in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I've had clients uh, do plenty of work out there. I've done a ton of pitching to, um, to tech press out there. I mean, I, yeah. I think it seems pretty sophisticated um absolutely you know pretty no pretty question. far along would you is that your experience yeah absolutely um australia likes to describe itself as a an early adopter when it comes to tech and by all counts that seems to be quite true um it still takes time for businesses to to totally modernize and switch over to new ways of doing things that's normal um but in terms of you know cloud adoption and maturity 
um, AI adoption and maturity, that kind of stuff. It's, it's very far along. You guys, Australia has actually had a couple of big hits come through. Mm-hmm. Asana being the big one, right? Atlassian. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, Atlassian. Yeah. And um, darling. Yeah, they they are doing well, and like everybody's using that at least here in Silicon yeah. Valley uh, development circles. It's like you can't join a company without somebody using one of their tools or products, and they they seem to have killed it. Yeah. What I really like about them is the positive impact they are working hard to have on the technology sector in Australia. You know, Mm. they're really visible, they're contributors, they're, um, yeah, they're just a positive force. It's great. Well, I mean, that that force is actually a big thing because that's how it started here in Silicon Valley. If you look back in the days of early tech, either from Fairchild Semiconductor at Intel, where, um, you know, they... Fairchild had a bunch of engineers that started in Intel, and then there was folks like Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, and then the HP guys all kind of being together. And that turned into a culture of exploring, you know, technology, software programming, as well as chips. You kind of need that community to, to, to get the ball rolling, right? Yeah. Because somebody's going to either succeed in it and, and ride that, that train or they're going to fail and maybe try to start something else, right? And, well, and go from there. I think they've set such a good example and there's, and also, you know, the support for that organization is, is a positive example in, in Australia. Um, Canva is. Uh, oh yeah. That's a good one too. I, yeah. I don't think I know Canva. One. What does Canva do? Canva is, uh, well, you should check it out. <laughs> it's really great, especially for independent um or small uh, business operators, because um, it just gives you the opportunity to create content from a whole bunch of, yeah, templates and images that are available to you. Um, And they're just advancing, um, innovating all the time, adding more things all the time. I love, I don't know if you're a TikTok watcher. I'm not really a TikTok creator, I'm a TikTok watcher, but there's a couple of people on TikTok who will explain to you the awesome things that you can do with Canva. Very, very cool stuff. My, my, my oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it was just purchased by Microsoft this week. Um, they're calling it the Canva for video. And it is a, a very similar product, I guess, for video, for people wanting to, to generate video content. Um, you know, we don't love that being a video content creator ourselves, but I still think the innovation is amazing and we can leverage it ourselves as well, but just bought by Microsoft and that's an Australian company too. So, uh, is, is that clustered in Sydney or is it spread out in Melbourne or are they, uh, are they in the outback? I feel like I want to say it's clustered in Sydney, but then, um, the other thing I'll say is it could be somewhere else you know what I mean it's just not yeah. it's not you're not prevented from doing business from the smaller parts of the country uh, the more regional parts of the country I will say sometimes um broadband issues could be a problem but Once you get outside uh, yeah. of the uh outside of the city, so. yeah you can't count so, on so Telstra here's what I want to know right so uh you know PR tech PR enterprise tech PR specifically in North America is you know, hyper-competitive, Dave and I are beating our heads against the wall constantly, you know, press don't want to hear from us. Clients have outsized expectations. We talked about on this show a million times. 
Um, I know that's true to some extent in, uh, in, in Canada as well. What's it like, since you've worked in, in both places, what's it like in, uh, in Australia? I, I have to say that it's actually making me feel better to hear you say that because oh, yeah. that's the same position that, that I'm in as well. And I think, um, banging your head against it. Our tech journalists here in Australia are so knowledgeable. Um, even the new ones coming up are really, really guided by the ones that have been here for a long time. Um, they can be a bit cynical about uh, the, the messaging and the information that comes from technology vendors. Um, and also the really the, the smaller media landscape or the, the, the fewer media outlets in the media landscape and fewer journalists. Um, yeah, it may, has made it really, really tough. And I think for media outlets to survive too, there's a lot more pay for play. There's a lot more pay for play, especially centered around thought leadership um, versus news, you know, that that's a weird thing, right? Because that's, that's one of the things that we were taught <clears throat> coming up in this profession, which is that whole church and state mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you, yeah. you don't broach the subject of what, it will, what would it cost us to get this thing placed because you've instantly offended the editor or the, you know, whoever you're pitching that story to, but yeah. it sounds like that's not well, the case in, uh, in Australia. You still, you don't do that with the editor. That's, that's for sure. Like, I mean, it's still, you know, if you've not, if you've not pitched the editor something that's that's getting an editorial um, earned um, response, then um, you don't then say to them, "Can I pay for that co content to be placed?" But that you can go to the other side of the business. And I'm finding out more and more that there's a couple of these. There's more of these media outlets that don't have. They only have the sort of commercial side of it. All they do have an editor. They do have content creators, but they also have this heavily commercialized side of it, which um, maybe used to be the domain of the, the marketing department only, but we're getting more involved in that with some of our clients because we're trying to make sure that the content that comes out is still that editorial content that's still um, really engaging. Um, and so, yeah, it's a mix of both now, really. Dave, you know what's funny, man, is like you ever pitch a story to an editor or reporter or whatever, and they're like, no, we don't want this or whatever. They shoot you down. And then like 10 minutes later, you get an email from the yeah. publisher Absolutely. and they're like, hey, you want to advertise in our yeah. publication? You're like, fuck you. Like, how about you pay attention to my pitch first <laughs> because you just told me that it wasn't, you know, something that your, uh, your readers are interested in. Yeah. And then we can talk about whether I want to give you money. I mean, it, it's actually one of the biggest... Uh, myths, I think, in tech PR that, you know, that 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 whole church and state line exists, because I honestly, I'm, I'm not sure it does. I, I think if you um, come up with enough cash uh, on the ad side, I think you can, you know, you might not get a placement for your product news, but you'll find a way to get some editorial coverage. Yeah. So yeah, but let's, let me let me say about that. I think, yes, I agree. But I think all along, PR and journalists have been playing this game, right? I mean, we play this game with one another. I will try to give you content that you can use. You will then listen to me hopefully next time when I call you because you know that I've given you something you can use before. You know, we play this game of, um, they know that this news is coming or this information is coming from an organization that wants to make a sale, but they also need eyes on their pages so that they can um, have a job and, and you know, continue to get advertising money, et cetera. So right. we've always been playing this little game together. 
Um, now it's a bit different, but I think still, even though we are looking at paying for content, I still think we should be, yeah, striving for good content, striving to give them good stuff because that works for our clients as well, right? Like, um, yeah, I don't want to pay for space and just put up an advertorial that nobody yeah, cares about. Right? I want to pay for space and have an excellent article that is going to be benefit to of benefit to everybody. And, you know, yeah, yeah. You want to push that good content. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to what Kevin said about uh, having a publisher call you after you got rejected. Yeah. I had a new experience recently and um, we actually got the editorial placement and the editor came back to me and said, Hey, I need to tell my publisher who the digital content marketing person is at your company can you exactly. give exactly can you just give me a name just busting through that line right, right. i mean that's that that's just not you know well you know that, and it's that's one not of those, supposed to be okay right well you know it was weird i like i i thought about it and this person i'd been working with for a very long time and you know i felt like i was doing him a favor but i did approach the client and i was like hey is it okay if i give this person your name because they're going to call you yeah. And they they were okay with it, but I had to go check in with it. It wasn't yeah, like I'm like I'm not way, I'm not I think it's it's fine. Like it's a good idea for your client to I mean again, like if you throw some cash at that or even if you just take that call, you know, that helps. But my point is like bringing that up is uh is a very uncomfortable thing. It's kind of like I'll get a I'll get a placement sometimes for a client and my client's company is mentioned in the article, but there isn't a link that, that yeah. company name isn't linked in the article. And my client will go, hey, can you ask them to put a link in there? And I'm going, hey, you know what? I, I can't because if I do, they're going to be like, hey, Kevin, we don't, uh, we're not here to promote your client. That's not why we included their company in this story. Yeah. You know, that's crossing the line. And it's the same thing with the example you just gave, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it's, it's still new to me. Like I'm waiting for the next one to ask for that. And the journalist who asked for it asked it in a way that he was uncomfortable too, right? Like yeah. I needed to satisfy the the hand that feeds me, so give sure. me a goddamn name yeah. <laughs> and an email yeah. address. And I, I think um, we've been protectors of that for a long time. I mean, if I've ever gotten requests like that before, I've certainly said I will give them your information, and if they're interested, they will get in touch with you. Um, but I think that's even changing. Like I would have been more inclined to do what you did, David, and and ask my client if they're interested, because just like you said, Kevin, um, it really does make a difference if you are. And I think I think I really see it as if the vendor, if the company is showing its support of this media outlet survival, I really think it has gone to that. Stage, yeah, it has. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's, yeah. it's as if and the and the, the way I came to terms with it was like everybody is just trying to make a living here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we can support each other. We got them Especially in the news. vertical media outlets, yeah. you know? The yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That are supporting the industry sectors that you really want to be talking to. Um, you know, now there's so few. Uh, when I worked in Toronto, I had a fleet, a fleet technology client yeah. out of the U.S. And I, if I had a fleet tech story to pitch to the U.S., I had like, six I think different media outlets that I could have sent that information to um, if I have a fleet story here I'm trying to work it into 
tech press. Like there's, and, and, right. and there are some supply logistics uh, press, but there's no like fleet magazine. You know what I mean? Which, and, and oh then- man, I used to love reading fleet magazine. It was great. <laughs> Read it every week. Uh, I, I, have a, I actually have a bunch of transportation type companies. I pitch those pubs all the time. I'll tell you what, yeah. it actually, it, what, what I would tell my clients is you, it actually makes sense for you to contribute to these publications financially, because if you want there to be a place for your news and your content to show up, yeah. it's up to you to, to help keep those guys around. Yeah, that's right. I agree too. Are you seeing more? Do you, so you talked about that. You're saying, there's more pay to play, Rochelle. You yeah. mentioned that, or, or, you know, people hire us to get that earned media, right? That editorial placement. I'm doing but, both now. Right. You have to do both. You just yeah. can't do one or the other. And, you know, what counsel are you giving clients as they come into your market? Um, first of all, if you want any attention from media and audiences in Australia, you need to be giving them something with Australian relevance, you know? I mean, gone are the days where you can have sort of a low level uh, American exec come to Australia and get a round of interviews, you know what I mean? Unless Mm. they're really talking about, unless you're giving them the CEO and a CEO that they know, um, uh, or unless you're making an announcement that has real relevance to the Australian market, why would they cover it? You know, yeah, it's kind of demeaning, actually, right? You know, yeah. like, we're here from the states. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, fuck you! Like, you know, do something in Australia. Yeah. Right? So you know, used to be when I worked for an agency um, that had I had different people to report to, um, and when it kind of still did work a bit, you would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll make it happen. We'll make it work. We'll find some you know thought leadership angle that we can um, piggyback on. But now I would say no, you know, I really did have recently, I had somebody, a client say to me, you know, we really want to get some interviews for this person in um, your market around a product launch, a global product launch. And I said, not, not, not going to happen. I mean, yeah, you, you need a local customer or a local partner, yeah, right? You, you need right. some, you, you need to localize that story in some way. Yeah. Absolutely. As it should be. I mean, yeah. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. What about on the content side? So we, we talked about on the, I guess, you know, the, the placement side, but are you, my business shifted about 10 years ago uh, where it was probably used to be, you know, 80, 85% media relations and 10 to 15% or whatever the math is there uh, on the content side. And now it's, it's really close to 50, 50. Is, oh, it, yeah. is that the case for you too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're helping our clients, marketing departments with Marcoms. Uh, we're, we're doing white, white papers. We're doing case studies, video and written. Um, we're doing the writing for the sponsored content placements, unless the media outlet um, does that as part of the package that you've, you've booked. Um, lots of bylines. There's fewer places to place bylines than ever before. Um, and uh and so that becomes, you know, maybe we do like a LinkedIn article. We're doing lots of content support for LinkedIn as well. Um, I don't manage the social profiles of any of our clients. It's not one of my things that I've gotten into, but I do provide them with content for those social profiles, um, especially around, you know, whatever key messages we're working on or, or amplifying coverage, that kind of stuff. Dave, let me just, this is something that Rochelle just mentioned really surprised me. So 
you said that there are fewer opportunities for contributed article placements. Absolutely. You've got these publications that are, they they can't afford to pay journalists, right? They they want, you know, they're starved for content because once they get the content that brings the ad dollars, Mm -hmm. why would they turn down free content? They are not turning down free content. They're monetizing the space. So you need to pay for those placements where you used to be able to just place them. But what if they just, right, but if they just, if they took a bunch of content, and I'm not saying any content, but content that was relevant to Mm. their readers or who they thought their readers were going to be, wouldn't that be, I mean, obviously it'd be better if people were paying to place those articles, but um, it just, that, that's always that that kind of, I I see it here too. We have still have opportunities for uh, contributor article placements here, but I do notice like people are like, no, we don't do that. It's like, but I'm giving you this content for free. Yeah. And then you get eyeballs and then you sell ad dollars because of yeah. those eyeballs. Well, the, the problem is, is that you, the ad dollars don't make up for it. Right. So, you know, hmm. that's, that's why uh, I think that's why they're doing it. And then people are paying because but if you it's were a trend. A media, but if you're a media outlet with so many sponsored articles on your site that it's like there are some that are are less obvious, but because I know about them, I know that the articles that I'm reading are, are significantly sponsored articles. To me, it's like I wish there was a, just a different way to manage that. I wish there was a different way. Maybe it is, um, you know, ha- keeping the the funding side just to strict advertising and digital advertising, and leaving that content <sighs> space, you know, unpaid, but. Um, you know, it's not, re- they have to do what's working for them, but it's, it's, it's more difficult to, especially thought leadership and even case studies. This has been so disheartening to me lately because you used to be able to say to your clients, look, if give me you a great a customer, customer story. story, yeah, we yeah. can do something with it, but that's changed as well. And I'm seeing the likes of, you know, SAP and Salesforce, those kind of brands that pretty much get guaranteed coverage when they but they're in the, the press all they the time. They're probably advertisers yeah. too, by the way. They are major advertisers. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're I'm right about the customer is- story thing. That's a uh, That shocks me. When I have a good customer story and I can't get a placement for that, Heaven, I mean, that should so be gold. That's, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we have, I don't know if it's because we're an enterprise tech that that makes it harder because, you know, I... I love the stories that my customers bring me. And I, I, it bothers me when people say, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're drinking the vendor's Kool-Aid or whatever. Like I'm excited by what they're excited about. And I think my little soapbox is that if tech journalists don't listen to the vendors because they're vendors, you know, if they don't want to just hear from them about what they're excited about just because they've got something to sell, I think what they're missing is listening to people who are so passionate about the potential for what the technology can do Great point. And, and, and how it can change things. And I get excited about that. And so, yeah, when I pitch in a customer story um, and it doesn't land and it doesn't land and it doesn't land, I'm thinking, what, what can I give you? But then I see, <laughs> SAP, then I see a bigger brands with bigger budgets um at, with sponsored content that's case studies yeah yeah the content that they're paying they're buying that space our yeah. customer stories and it, it's killing me yeah yeah you know it's, it's interesting you go back to that sort of you go to a, a news site supposed to be third party and a, a lot of it is contributed con- 
tent, but there's also editorial in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there it's becoming grayer and grayer. It's like harder to spot, uh, I think. Um, I'm going to, I love them. I love everyone there, but the new stack is like that, right? So if it's, it's, a, it's a trade magazine, it's a trade online pub that covers basically cloud computing and everything and development around that. They do say sponsored at the top of those listings. So it's, it, it's hard, it's hard to see sometimes, right? You yeah. know, and yeah, then yeah. halfway through it, you're like, wait a minute. I think this yeah. is sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they, you know, they mix it up, but it's but mixed it, up in there in the editorial. There's no like sponsor section. It's all on the main feed, right? Yeah, I think I think sure. all of us have been in PR for long enough to know that most of what you read is coming from, you know, the 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 agenda of whoever sent that announcement to right. the media, right? I mean, but it's it's prevalent across all different sectors, and I think. Um, you know, rather than get cynical about it, although I am quite cynical about it on some days. <laughs> I, I tell I tell my family that uh, everything outside of natural disasters has a PR person behind it. Yeah. If you go to the food section of the paper, you go to the movies, if you go to the 100%. business side, yeah, technology, politics. yeah, politics, all of that's in there. So, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, I love those. I love the, uh, the you know, political satire shows that show the clips of so many different, um, media personalities saying the exact same line about whatever political ruckus has happened <laughs> right, right, the day right. before. Totally, yeah. totally. All right, um, Kevin, you want to... I think so. I mean, you know, we can do it unless you've got other let's things here. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So as I mentioned at the outset, uh, the American football season begins tonight wait 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 kevin kevin look, look. it's rugby down under but she's that's from why I said american football that's what i yeah, said american football. and i i, I don't she may you not know, even be a sports fan so who knows Michelle, are you a sports fan she can be fine this is an easy game i uh <laughs> i i i understand the games of football and yeah, rugby she's gonna and... be all right <laughs> come on all right here we go so, i don't I, really I, watch all the I, I, I only I only preface that because this dude is a sports fanatic, right? And so yeah. don't let him I'm go too deep teams. on you. I'm gonna <laughs> dumb it down for you, Dave. Don't worry. I'm gonna speak in, in words with a few syllables. Don't worry. Okay. So uh okay, so every game, every football game here in the States, American football game here in the States, has uh what they call um uh, like an like an over-under attached to it. So they'll say like, for example, tonight, the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And some odds maker will say the combined score of that game is going to be 57 points. And people can bet they can say, oh, I think they're going to score more than 57 points. That would be the you'd be betting on the over. Or you can okay. say they're going to go under 57. You'd be betting on the under. Does that make sense? You can either bet the over or the under. Yep. And they do this for all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, they're like, hey, you know, the uh, San Francisco 49ers football team is going to win nine games this year. Do you want to take the over or you want to bet the under, right? So you, there's all kinds of over-under bets. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a PR version of the over-under game. And I'm going to throw some PR-related statistics at you guys. And you have to tell me whether the correct number is over the number that I mentioned or under the number that I mentioned. Does that make sense? Sort of? 
Michelle, come on, Michelle. Hey, we work with words, not numbers. But right, exactly. I think she's, I think she's fucking with me. Yeah, that was good though. I, uh, one more time. Okay, so, so here we I go. I just have so, to say, sports. Oh, yeah. sports tipping is. They call it instead of betting, they call it tipping in okay. Australia. And sports tipping is is huge. I'm sure there is a version of the over under. Oh yeah. Here as well. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. No, it's it's a great way to gamble. And I, I like to <laughs> it's a great way to gamble. Oh, it's it's the best. I, we do it all the time. In fact, my I, I've got three kids, but my six year old son loves it. Like we do every week, we guess the lines, the sports lines for uh, football games. You know, before the uh, before the games begin, he, it's it's one of the things we look forward to most during the week. It gets us through the week. All right. So um, here we go. So the first, I got like 12 of these things and we can just run through them or whatever. We can stop and talk about some of them if you, uh, if you like. And I grabbed these from, where did I get these? I got some of these from like PR Week and Business Insider or Insider. Um, yeah, so I just, I stole some of this. So these, these, are, these are actual stats. That you these produce. are actual stats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I said I found some, you know, some random places, some uh, place called The Core, which apparently is like a, a digital publication focused on fresh marketing ideas. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, all right, so here's the first one. If you are uh, a, an account supervisor at the public relations giant Edelman, your uh, starting salary is $150,000. Uh, Rochelle, is it, you want the over or the under on that? In the U.S.? Yeah, in the United States. Account supervisor. So we've different titles. So does that mean okay. you're managing a team? Yeah, you're managing yeah. a team. Right, yeah. Dave? Is that higher yeah. than account director, Dave? I don't even know. No, it's it, so you, you usually, uh, from what I know, it's like an assistant account executive, account executive, a senior account executive, and then I think you're an account supervisor, and then you're an account director, and then you're starting to get up into the upper level. So it's kind of solid go- middle. I'm going to, I think under. Okay. Dave, over or under? That's a a lot of money in tech PR, man. A lot of money in Edelman PR, I should say. I'm, I'm going to go under. Under. You're right. You're both right. It's $95,000. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually think that's kind of low, which is why I grabbed the stat. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I think. Yeah, I think it's because there's lots of other roles above that in the Edelman hierarchy, probably too, you know. Right till you get to trash man, or trash, <laughs> which is at the top of the top of the trash heap. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Eighty uh, percent of PR agency clients said they have quote COVID fatigue in terms of their communications. Eighty percent, over or under? Over. Over. Fifty-six percent. What? Yeah, they're, they're not working on fatigue it. by now. What no. the hell has to happen? We got two more years of this. Oh uh, man, like I, I, I just mentioned this to my wife last night. I'm like, I'm tired of COVID. This is it. Like, I had COVID even... fatigue for PR in like <laughs> May last year. <laughs> right? This thing is still going on. What? Fifty six percent. Jesus. There may be lots of COVID fatigue, but then I just read a stat. Um, I, I, I'd have to find it, but I was surprised. Not really that surprised, I guess. Um, it was a high percentage of stories that reference COVID, like even in the past couple of months. And so everybody may have COVID fatigue and, and want to stop talking about it, but obviously it's still relevant. Yeah. You know, you know what one trend that uh, is that I just realized has not ended that I thought was going to go away after a while. And that was the whole changing working from home kind of thing. 
And now they have dedicated reporters looking about the way we work. So these work from home, remote work. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's a beat. That I became mean, like, a beat. It's a full on beat. And like yeah. everybody has it, no matter what publication is. Oh, that's the changing workforce reporter, the work from and home. The WFH guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. all kinds of opportunities there if you have a you yeah. know a yeah. client to do that. So they're Great. turning out stories for sure. I'm yeah. a freaking expert in work from home, man. I've been doing this <laughs> something years, man. I write the book. All right. Next, next stat. Um, here's one that uh, based on something we talked about a minute ago here 50% of in-house comms teams, uh, in-house comms teams experience reg, uh, experience regular challenges with content creation. 50% of comms teams experience challenges, I guess, developing content. Is it under. higher or lower? Over. over. Oh, it's just over. It's over. Damn yes. right. It's over. 90%, right? Yeah, 90%. There, and I think yeah. that's, that, that just hit what you were saying, Rochelle, right? Like we're doing a ton of this work yeah. For our clients, because they either don't have the time. It's usually a function of the time, right? They don't have the time or the people, but it's basically the same thing, it's right? Pe- they don't have the resources to do that. It's FTE. Like it's, it's reduction in staff. It's reduction in team. Um, one of my clients used to have four or five people on their in-house marketing Marcom's team. Now they have one. And that's a global company operating in Australia that, that needs to um, generate content from a local perspective that needs help doing that every yeah. day. I, I would say this too, to either uh, people, marketing execs or clients are having it. If you're going to have a PR person, they may be able to pull off an article or two a month, but given everything else that they have to do, they are not going to be your content writer. That almost has to be. Outsource that shit. Outsource it or dedicate it to somebody full time to do it, you know? So it's not, here I would give a slightly different uh, advice. I would say, I'll outsource it for you. I'll manage that process. I know your messaging, I I know your content, I know your needs. And I have people that, like, if I can't handle the, if I don't have the capacity to do it all, I've got people that I work with to, to do it with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really a process thing too, because one of the things that I've found that's really effective is making sure that you Mm -hmm. get all the subject matter experts at a company at your client company involved in the process. Right. right. So it's not like, Oh, I'm going to interview the CEO again. I'm going to talk to the, you know, the SVP of engineering again. No, there's a hundred people in that company depending on the size of the company that you can get involved in that process. Kevin, that's so such good advice. And sometimes that's some of the most fun interviews that you can have and, and interesting content that you can create because these people don't necessarily get asked all the time for what, right. for, to share their expertise and to share their, the stories that they can tell. And they're telling really interesting stories. Absolutely. Um, all right. Here's another one for you. Uh, I like this one too. 75% of comms pros have a documented crisis communications plan. 75% with a documented crisis communications plan over or under. 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 You're right. Way under 45%. That's almost, you know, I don't even remember where I got this. It was maybe like a muckrack survey or whatever it was, but like, that's a scary proposition, right? And I, we've talked about this on the show a bunch, Dave, right? Like you, you know, you've really got to be thinking about what am I going to do if, and it almost doesn't depend on the size of your business at this point. Yeah. It's got to go beyond what the PR team is going to do as well. Like we, it might not have a, a, a comms plan, but the comms person probably knows a few things that they would prefer to do in that situation. But I think if I'm in-house at, a, at an enterprise organization, 
my comms plan is getting the stakeholders to agree on what a comms plan is, like mm. making a recommendation to them and getting them to agree that they will take this course of action in the case of a crisis, because that's where you run into the problem. Like you get you get a spokesperson who runs away, or you get a, a corporate line that has to be maintained that isn't going to serve the business well because they're scared to to do something about it. Um, you get social that's not aligned with with comms. You know, if you don't have a plan. Those, those are the things that can happen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, all right, here's a, got a few more. Dave, how are we doing on time here? Are we good? We, we, we can do a couple more. All right, here we go. Um, all right, let's see. I want to pick a good one for you here. All right. No, no, I know, right? No, all right, let's no. go with this one. Let's go with this one. Uh, 95% of PR professionals said personalization, customization, or suggesting a topic relevant to the journalist is the best way to get coverage. 95% over under. I hope that's over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Rochelle? Over under? Should be over. It really should be 150%. It's 80%. (laughs) Who are the 20% of turkeys out there, they're like, nah, I don't really think oh. I need to customize that pitch. Oh, Kevin, you see them every day. So if you follow journalist feeds, mm-hmm. you know, you'll yeah. see a tweet like, you know, a tech reporter or hardcore enterprise tech totally. reporter. And he's like, oh, my God, somebody pitched me on Tupperware. Right. right. You right. know, <laughs> like or women's underwear or whatever it yeah. is, Absolutely. you know, get them all the time. That's the 20 percent. It's yeah. embarrassing. I mean, the PR, the PR community embarrasses itself time and time again unfortunately um and i'm not i'm not saying i'm perfect you know i i definitely do my best to make sure that my my pitch is going to be something that lands that at least is relevant to the person that i that i sent it to or the publication that i sent it to um but yeah you hear it all the time that they're spray and pray happens yeah but even worse than spray and pray the idea that you can just randomly it's like the it's like the the connections that people try to make on LinkedIn, you know. Like I get these connection requests all the time, sure. And I'm like, wow, that is. Besides the fact that I don't even know if that's a real thing, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so completely irrelevant to my business, and it's Here, here's so my question: and journalists get it all the time. The twenty percent of people who said that they don't think that customization is a good idea why not just lie on that survey who would i mean if, <laughs> even if you're gonna send those spray and pray yeah. email pitches like i would never admit to that yeah. that's yeah. awful i hope that was an anonymous survey okay one more one more okay here we go 50 percent of pr pros are not using any type of pr software over or under over 50 percent are not yeah over like a hundred percent or not 17 <laughs> percent are not. That means 83% are. 83% of PR professionals are using PR software. That seems like bullshit to me. Do you guys use PR what, software? What do they qualify as PR software? Good, good question. Good question. I guess like I mean, Cision. I'm using, Cision. A, I'm using a database for journalist contacts and I, I do actually use... That's that. PR software. I guess it yeah. is. I guess yeah. it is. But but I think when you're I, right. When like I first that, answered that question, I wasn't thinking about that as PR software. Me neither. Because... Yeah. You know, I do use a time, um, I do use a time entry system, time sheet, man, yeah. not time sheet system, but it's not designed for PR. That's kind of where I was going with the thinking was I've yet to find software that is truly right 
for the PR user. And, and we tried way, a bunch of times over the years. Thank God for that, because that's why we still have a job and probably yeah, will 10 years right. from now too. Dave, before we sign off, let's hit this rep fire refer game real quick. Okay. Oh yeah. We, that, we, we include that every time. Okay. Okay. So rep fire refer, Rochelle, if you're not familiar. I, I yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> she knows. You, you probably are, right? Because this, this is, you know, it's just a staple of the embargoed podcast, but I'm going to give you three names and uh, I don't know if they're in the agenda. So you may have, uh, may have seen them already, but I'll give you three no, names. Okay. All right. Here are your three people and you have to represent one of them as their PR person. You have to fire one of them and you have to refer the other. Okay. So the first one is, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation on this person's name, but Brazilian, the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro. How's that sound? Bolsonaro. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, uh, well, then, then let them go through one these. by one or do we say no we're gonna no, go I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what they are so so he okay. this guy was in the news today because uh he's like a Trump acolyte but he basically he is saying that it's against the law in Brazil for social media companies to uh, exclude oh. content that basically you know he doesn't want excluded so like if you post something uh, that says like the coronavirus is fake, and Facebook in Brazil is like, I'm taking that shit off. And he's like, he's like, no, you can't do that because, you know, Bolsonaro or whatever is pitching a story that says, yeah, you know, uh, that don't worry about COVID. Yeah, basically, he doesn't want to get kicked off of uh, <laughs> social media like yeah. Trump did on Twitter. Yeah, right? I heard that this yeah, yeah. morning and I couldn't almost I, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like, yeah. yeah, it'd be like if Trump here was like, you know, Facebook, it's against the law for you to uh, get steal post on your yeah. site that would be yeah. the equivalent of this case. yeah but that's that's one of the guys the uh gems you get to choose from the uh, another one is you'll know this guy australian president scott morrison right who yeah. uh has been in the news australia's had the one of the, the toughest uh lockdown uh programs i guess around covid over the last year or so and and but he was in the news he, he's another trump guy i think but he was also in the news recently because he like took a family trip or something last week or earlier this week. I'm sure you saw and he got a little little grief for that here uh, yeah. in the news. Mm -hmm. So he's another guy you got to choose from. And then the third one, gentleman, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, yeah. uh, whom everyone loves. And uh, but he's he's also taken some heat and he's under some fire as well. So those are your options. OK, easy, really easy answers. Cool. Um, I would absolutely refer the Brazilian president to somebody who uh, is much more aligned with his views. Okay. <laughs> um, I would not be able to represent him effectively because we would disagree quite often. <laughs> um, ScoMo, as we call him, Scott Morrison. ScoMo! 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 I love that! Yeah. 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 Hey, Kevin, you're KWO. KWO. <laughs> and you're Dio. <laughs> Yo! I wouldn't say he's a Trumpian at all, oh, um, but okay. I would say that Australia does um, try, Australian politicians or politically speaking tries, tries to maintain a strong alignment with America, regardless who the president is. So I think that's probably where that came from. Even ScoMo. Okay. Um, but oh, I, see what I you're would saying. say that um, I would need to fire him because uh, uh you still live there that. rochelle you still yeah. live there yeah you're asked to get deported tomorrow 
and I'm and I'm not politicizing this. Like I'm not talking about political party affiliation at all. Yeah. But I think he's probably not listening to some advice that he's getting that he probably should be listening to. And so right. that wouldn't really work very well for me. Okay. Um, and Justin Trudeau, rep, rep, rep all the way. So I still remember his dad, who was uh, prime minister, um, Pierre Trudeau, at one time. When I, and, uh, and I think that despite the issues that Canadians probably legit have with Justin Trudeau, that comes with being a politician. I think that comes with being in power uh, as the prime minister of, of any country or president of any country. Um, I think he can, even if he doesn't weather it, even if he does something else afterwards, even if he is uh, you know, not the most perfect person in the world, um, I think of those three, that's who I'm repping and uh, yeah. I'm it seems like his heart's in the right place, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. All right, good call. Well. Thank you for being on the show, Rochelle, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Great. And, My first yeah. podcast. Is that right? First podcast. You yeah. crushed yeah. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And, um, you know, uh, you know, if we have referrals, you know where we're headed when we come down under, sending them your way. So thank Absolutely. you all very much. And Shelby, see you all soon. Nice to meet you, Kevin. You got all it. Right. You too. Down.